In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The Beatitudes, which are not the appointed gospel for today, come to us in two versions, one in Luke and one in Matthew's gospel. I've always preferred Luke's version, particularly around one Beatitude. Here's how it goes. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst, for they shall be satisfied. Matthew's version is this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. I prefer Luke because he's clear about the needs of those who struggle for basic necessities, people I might overlook though people God never does. Matthew is all about those who are longing for a deeper relationship with God. Today, we get both longings in one story, and it's a perfect day for both. The Gospel is from the Gospel according to John, and is usually known as the story of the woman at the well. Fair enough. There's a woman, and Jesus encounters her at a will. But there is so much more going on here, including one of the longest and best conversations between Jesus and another person to be found anywhere in the New Testament. Both Jesus and the woman are at the will for the same reason, to get water. Some of us have been able to drink from Jacob's well while in pilgrimage to the Holy Land, and it's really good. As the woman will say, that well is deep, and because of that, the water is icy cold. She's come for water, and Jesus has too. But then the fun begins. He asks her for water, which wouldn't be such a big deal, except that men didn't speak to women in public, especially not to a woman they did not know. And Jews definitely didn't speak to Samaritans. Jews and Samaritans had been estranged cousins for centuries. She's right to be startled. And so it begins. Now, I think we tend to read the Bible somewhat differently than we read other books. I think we read it with religious eyes, and so here in our minds, a religious voice, lovely cadences, and thoughtful words. That won't work for this story. Won't work at all because it's banter. Banter between Jesus and the woman, with teasing, and even a little gentle sarcasm mixed in and it comes from both sides. It's something of a tennis match, as if the ball flies back from one side of the court to the other. She asks why he talks to her, a Samaritan woman, and Jesus tells her that if she had any idea who he was, she'd be asking him for water. To which she retorts, that's interesting because you don't even have a bucket. And she goes on to ask, who do you think you are? Since this is Jacob's well, the one found and given to these people of Samaria by the great 
patriarch Jacob. Jesus counters, basically saying, fair point, but the water I have will satisfy your thirst forever. Well, then bring it on, she says. But then Jesus lobs of all she didn't see coming at all. Sure, he says, but first, go call your husband. Then you can both come back. She swings and misses, saying, I don't have a husband. After which Jesus says, well, that's true, because I happen to know you've had five and now there's someone else who's not your husband. And the scandal of that, though remember in their day, she is not the one who could have initiated any divorce. The scandal of that day may just explain why she comes to the well at midday rather than early in the morning with the other women. But she is not finished yet. Great, so now I know you're a prophet. But being that you are a Jew, we don't even worship in the same place or in the same way. You all are all about Jerusalem. Jesus agrees, but says, ultimately, where we worship won't matter. What will matter is that we worship in spirit and in truth. And remember, he just told her that she's a truth teller. Now, everything switches. Now she is asking herself if he really might be not just a prophet, but maybe more than a prophet, maybe even the Messiah. And when she gives that voice, tentative voice, Jesus tells her what he has yet to tell even his closest disciples. I am he the one who is speaking to you. Now, though we don't include it in what we just read, the disciples, of course, come back, having left Jesus to go get some food. And because they are still living by the norms of the day, they're scandalized that he's talking to the Samaritan woman. She takes off, but not, as we know, in shame. She takes off in joy. She takes off, runs into town, and tells everyone to come see this man, wondering aloud to them if he may not just be the Messiah, this man who knows everything about her. And they come, and they believe, and Jesus stays with them. It's a great story. It's one of my absolute favorites. But today it is our story, maybe more than ever. Right now, we are a country, and particularly a city that is anxious, anxious about a virus for which there is neither vaccine or dedicated medicine, worrying if the person we just met might infect us or if we might unwittingly infect them. The anxiety, is well-founded. We do need to distance ourselves physically from one another if we are to lower the rate of transmission and flatten the wave of new infections. That's why you and we are not gathering here in the church or meeting during the week in the parish house. 
But people, including many of us, perhaps, are also clearing grocery shelves of food and paper towels and toilet paper, convinced that should we become ill, no one will help us. Which need not be true. Which need not be true if we remember that we are all God's beloved and use the technology we have to check in with one another, to check in with one another, and to look out for one another. As Christians, as those who believe we worship in spirit and in truth, who believe that Jesus is with us as much today as ever, who proclaim that God through Christ has overcome all that might separate us from God, we need to lay down that anxiety, and when it rises up again, because it will, to give it over to God in Christ again. This little story can help us even with that. There's a funny little detail, one I overlooked until this week. When the disciples return and start questioning slash berating Jesus, the woman takes off, though not, as noted, out of fear or shame. But when she takes off to head back into town, she leaves her bucket behind. Neither she nor Jesus actually get a drink of that icy cold water. What we think we need and what we really need are often not the same thing. Her real thirst for relationships for understanding, for connection, for empowerment. Her real thirst has been slaked by this encounter with the living water, and that water has begun to gush up into eternal life for her. She'll be back at the well in future days, no doubt. We do need to eat and to drink, but what do we most need? the assurance that we are seen, truly seen and understood. We need to know that we are unalterably connected to God and empowered to live our lives from that place of eternal security. That is what Jesus has on offer today in this story and every day in our stories. Phillips Brooks, one of the great preachers of the church, a priest and bishop of Massachusetts at the end of the 19th century once said, God will waste nothing of who we are. God will waste nothing of who we are. That's what the woman at the well learned. Had it not been for her complicated perhaps scandalous past, she would never have encountered Jesus. If she were not clearly and utterly changed and made fearless by that encounter, the town's people would never have paid her any mind. The truth, the whole truth of who she was, given over to Jesus, set her free. It also made her the very first evangelist, the first to head into a hostile world to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Today, 
We are gathered as the community of Christ, not as we would choose, but as we must. But gathered we are. We are gathered in the Eucharist, that meal where we are fed by and in Jesus himself. Yet because we cannot be physically present together, we cannot share together and receive the bread and wine, the body and blood of Christ. However, that may not be the whole truth. Because we are prevented, not by our choosing, but because of serious illness, we may still receive communion together. Hear these words from our Book of Common Prayer. If a person desires to receive the sacrament, but by reason of extreme sickness or physical disability, is unable to eat and drink the bread and the wine, the celebrant is to assure that person that all the benefits of communion are received, even though the sacrament is not received by the mouth. Be assured. Be assured that today we all partake of the living bread which came down from heaven, Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.